0: Welcome to Up Next with Tommy Lee, with influential Christian leaders sharing their passions and purpose in personal conversations. Up Next is brought to you in partnership with the Gospel and Our Cities Conference with Tim Keller, coming to Chicago in 2018. And now, founder and president of Resource Global, managing partner of Barnabas Group Chicago, and your host on Up Next, Tommy Lee. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Up Next.
1: Noah, welcome. Our co-host today. Thanks, Tommy. And Doc Feuder, welcome. Hey,
2: it's my pleasure.
1: Today's guest is just a dear, dear friend, someone who I highly respect, a talented ministry leader, and you just got to hear more about the organization as well, too, Peter Gray. Let me actually, before I introduce Peter, let me share a little bit in terms of Peter's bio and just some reflections on him. Peter Greer is the president and CEO of HOPE International. Folks, you just got to get to know what HOPE International is doing. Global christ center, micro development organization serving through Africa, Asia, Latin America, Eastern Europe. Prior to joining HOPE, Peter worked internationally as a microfinance advisor in Cambodia in Zimbabwe and served as managing director of a bank in Rwanda. He is a graduate of Messiah College and Harvest University's Kennedy School. And one of the things that you're also going to hear about, Peter, is, and we're going to talk about his book a little bit. He is an author. He loves writing books. It seems like, Peter, every year you're coming up with a new book. The Poor Will Be Glad. <laughs> the Spiritual Danger Doing Good. Mission Trip. Uh, Mission Drift. Uh, 2015 Book Award winner for Christianity Today. Entrepreneurship. The Giver and the Get. That is the book that I keep giving away all the time, Peter. And created to flourish in the board and the CEO and now rooting with rivals. And so, Peter, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks so much. Thanks for that. Really, those kind words, Tommy.
1: Oh, my gosh. Peter, I mean, we're going to spend some time talking about Hope International, but when did you discover your passion for writing, and is your goal to write a new book every single year now?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, it's really actually interesting, because uh, the the first time, I, I never thought of writing. It never was even on my radar. It was never... Something that I that I considered, but I was I was on a hike. And I was on a hike with Donald Miller, uh, the author yeah? of Blue Like Jazz, and a and a, a photographer named Jeremy Cowart. And I was talking about the work of Hope International. I was talking about microenterprise development, and you know, I was talking about how hard it was to talk about this work that we were doing, and um, and describe it to churches. And it ended up that there was a conversation that they had, and they said, Peter, stop stop telling us about it. Uh, you need to write a book, and they made it sound really easy. So they, uh, they challenged me to write a book, and I was on a trip to Afghanistan shortly afterwards. And on my flight there and around there, I came back with a stack of note cards, and uh, that turned into the first book, The Poor Will Be Glad, and so it's been over a decade that I've had this great fun of writing and uh, doing it on airplanes and trains and wow. uh, and wherever I can have a few minutes. Wow, yeah.
2: wow, wow. Hey, Peter Dog here. Can I ask you – so I'm looking at your book. It's sitting here, Rooting for Rivals. The title itself is intriguing. The big idea to get collaboration together between church, parachurch leaders um, – do nonprofits really see each other as rivals, I guess is my question. And having said that, what what is the danger in just being about your own sort of brand or or logo, I guess? Maybe could you speak about that a little bit?
3: Yeah, it's probably not something that we talk about overtly, but it's something that a lot of us feel. Yeah. Um and and the question is why? Right. Um, and right. you know, one of the stories that was kind of early on in this process of thinking about this was after we released a new video, uh, it was built around Exodus 4-2 and the question uh, that God asked Moses about, what is in your hands? Mm. And after releasing this video, uh, the first call that we received was something that I wasn't expecting, but it was another organization, and they were asking us to stop using that verse in our communications because they had filed for a trademark for wow. that verse of wow. um, really? Exodus four two. Wow! And I
2: remember, unbelievable. I
3: remember, I a little bit surprised on that, um, and and I the guess. question of is that even possible? But then right. the second question is, <laughs> why would you want to do that? Yeah. And I think it's because we live in a world wow. where, unfortunately, too often we see a world of scarcity, sure. and we see that if someone else is using that verse or someone else is doing that maybe that might be less for me and it's interesting that after (sighs) having that conversation there was another organization that used that verse a couple months later and i can tell you my heart posture was how dare they use my verse (laughs) on the way that they and so what was so easy to spot in someone else i've been going through a process of saying what does inhibit generosity what does inhibit collaboration And how do I more actively identify it in myself and then be free from that idea of comparison or toxic uh, uh, Mm. competitive spirit and instead dream bigger dreams that are impossible to accomplish alone and instead Mm -hmm. of seeing a world of scarcity to imagine, a world of abundance that God has created. Well
2: well said.
1: Amen. Yeah. You're listening to AM 1160 Up Next with our co-host, Doc Feeder, as well as Noah Chung. And in, uh, talking today is Peter Greer, president and CEO of Hope International, and authored new book "Rooting for Rivals." Hey, Peter, let me ask you a quick question: Is I, I think a lot of times I hear the word, especially dealing with Christian ministries, is "let's partner together." That's been a key word. Is the problem with partnership is everything goes well as long as there's a win-win situation, but sometimes in the midst of partnering, I feel like I'm on the short end of the stick or even taking advantage of. What's the advice that you have? How do you create those win-win partnerships where it's just not a one-and-done partnership but something for the long term?
3: You know, the reality is that most nonprofits that exist right now are not going to exist in a few decades. Mm-hmm. And the stats are pretty sobering on, on that. And so I think that uh, question is, what, what are we going to spend our lives building? what are we really going to give our best energy and what are we going to really focus on in our life? And I think that we are all invited to something that lasts longer than just the organization. And to remember that we have a higher calling, a higher mission, a higher purpose that extends beyond the walls of our organization. And so a lot of times when we think about partnering, if we look at it through the lens of, hey, is this best for me? There are going to be opportunities where partnership is not going to be best for you. But if we have a different perspective and say, what is going to have the greatest impact on our world? What is going to be the best way possible uh, to exalt the name of Jesus? Then that opens us up to partnerships that are not just going to be good for us. They're going to be good for the kingdom. Yeah. And it's really interesting to look at an example that's happened in the whole world of Bible translation that you've probably heard of over the last few years. But instead of Bible translators just focusing on their own organization, several of them gathered together and say, what if we tried to get Scripture in every single language within our lifetime? What yeah. would happen? Yeah. And initially, that timeline for that process to happen was by uh, uh, 2150. And instead, by partnering together, collaborating, they're now on track to have the Bible translated in every language by 20. 33, oh so literally goodness. took 117 years off of the pace,
4: yeah.
3: uh, and mm-hmm. a huge piece of that was because they said, let's collectively imagine what would happen if we work together and have a goal and a mission and a purpose that's beyond just the bounds of our organization.
4: Praise God. and got wow. Noah does. Yeah, that's amazing. Good, um, good stuff. Yeah, Noah yeah. here, kind of coming back to kind of Doc's question too, Um for maybe those who are kind of the younger generation, the millennials, but those who are younger leaders, have you kind of found the same kind of tendency of rivalry too? As mu- I, I feel like the younger generation kind of has more of this desire to be united. and Maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but I'm wondering if uh, you kind of see newer leaders and younger organizations willing to partner more than in the past, or do you actually see just the same trends happening over and over That's again? That's good. That's good.
3: Yeah, it's a really interesting question, if I may uh, speak freely on that. Sure. You know, one way that we might see this uh, is on the number of new organizations that are founded every year. Hmm. 1.5 million new nonprofits every year. And not saying there isn't a time to innovate, not saying that there's not a need for that, Mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe there are some instances there that it might be more productive to be a branch manager Mm -hmm. than a founder and uh, president of a new organization. Mm -hmm. And I find that uh, there is an excitement about partnership, but, but at its root, one of the issues that we talk about in the book is how easy it is that pride blinds us from seeing beyond uh, the "what's in it for me" uh, uh, lens, mm. and and so I think that's one opportunity that maybe the next generation, instead of just being the founder, mm. what would happen if before we founded anything new, we had to con- be convinced that it was impossible to join in and advance the cause or mission of something else, and to really be on our guard to guard our heart above all else, and especially when it comes to the idea of self promotion. As yeah. opposed to promoting oh, oh. the name of the Savior that we follow,
2: I love that, Peter. Hey, we only have about a minute and twenty seconds before our break, but I want to follow up on that because, uh, in my mind, is how do we shift that mindset to literally root for rivals? And I think you touched on it—that posture of humility. Could 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 you what? How could we really model that and encourage that to the broader body of Christ to really enter into the Spirit? Uh, could you speak to that uh, as well, Peter?
3: I think it starts by changing the way that we view others and refusing to identify them as rivals. So the title of the book is a bit tongue-in-cheek, Rooting for Rivals. The ultimate goal is that they're not rivals. They're seen as friends. They're seen as partners. They're seen as co-conspirators for an amazing cause. And to turn what initially we might feel are rivals Mm -hmm. into something much more beautiful, really ultimately see them as friends.
2: I love that. I love that, brother. Thank you. It's well said.
1: Peter, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk with Peter Greer, CEO and uh, President and CEO of Hope International, and also author the new book "Rooting for Rivals." Stay right back, we'll be
0: back after these messages. Dr. Tim Keller, founding pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City and best-selling author, is coming to Chicago for the Gospel and Our Cities Conference.
5: In the Book of Jonah, God sends his prophet to the great city of Nineveh to uh, preach to it, to reach it and he shows a great deal of disdain and God rebukes Jonah and says how can you look at all those people who don't know their right hand from their left and not have compassion on the city please come to Chicago for a meeting of men and women who want to reach their respective North American cities with the gospel
0: find out more at thegospelandourcities.org that's thegospelandourcities.org
2: AM 1160.
1: Resource Global is cultivating the potential of young professionals all over the world to maximize their reach and restore their cities with the gospel. 60% of our waking hours are spent in the workplace, therefore, it is a significant time for gospel impact. As young professionals grow in their careers, we provide in-depth training and we also provide mentoring to integrate their faith and work. And we want them to use their influential skills to impact their city. I know of no other organization besides Resource Global that is doing its exact ministry. Going to places, finding young people and pastors and teachers who want to bring together their collective wisdom to encourage one another in things of faith and work. I want to invite you to join us as we continue to grow the network of young professionals in strategic cities around the world. I invite you to join us to make a difference in these cities through these individuals and to make a difference for tomorrow.
0: dr tim keller founding pastor of redeemer presbyterian church in new york city and best-selling author is coming to chicago for the gospel and our cities
5: conference in the book of jonah god sends his prophet to the great city of nineveh to uh, preach to it to reach it and he shows a great deal of disdain and god rebukes jonah and says how can you look at all those people who don't know their right hand from their left and not have compassion on that great city uh, The churches of today should have compassion on the city and should care about the city. Please come to Chicago, the third largest city in our country, which will be a wonderful backdrop for a meeting of men and women who want to reach their respective North American cities with the gospel, doing both holistic uh, transformation, evangelism, and bringing about conversions. Please come and join us.
0: Find out more at thegospelandourcities.org. That's the thegospelandourcities.org. AM
2: 1160.
0: Welcome back to Up Next with Tommy Lee, brought to you in partnership with The Gospel and Our Cities Conference with Tim Keller, coming to Chicago in 2018.
1: Welcome back. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Noah Chung, as well as Dr. John Feuter. And today we have a chance to talk with Peter Greer, President and CEO of Hope International. And also on this newest book that we're just talking about, fascinating about rooting for rivals. Noah, thoughts on this? Oh, you had a question?
4: Yeah, Peter, uh, kind of going on Doc's question, kind of having the posture of humility and not seeing other organizations or nonprofits or even churches as rivals. You mentioned in the your, your, kind of your book, uh, the stat of a mere 85 nonprofits have endured 500 years or more. Uh I guess I'm really curious to see, to hear about, from your perspective, what was unique about these 85 nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that allowed them to last this long? What about their mission and vision or just the way they did ministry or they did their work, allowed them to survive in partnership, but also just as over 500 years, which is quite amazing? Yeah, 500 years sure is a
3: long time ahead yeah. of your t- horizon. But mine is definitely not the 500-year time horizon. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we we touch a little bit on this in uh, the the book that uh, Chris and I uh, did before, but Mission Drift is really where we also dug into that. Mm. And one of the key pieces is to have a very clear mission. They know who they are. They know what they're about. And to not uh, think that all change is bad, but rather to look at change and adaptation to the world around them in light of their primary mission so maybe that's the 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 one piece is just they were clear on who and they figured out how to pass on leadership to the next generation but i think for me the the reason why we kind of included that stat in rooting for rivals is because it does frame our primary way and wouldn't it be great if people forget uh the name of the exact nonprofit or the name of the exact church and instead, think back at this moment in history and instead say, man, that was the generation yeah. that saw poverty eradicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the generation that saw scripture translated into every single language. That was the generation that focused on racial injustice and, yeah. and made real progress at that moment in time. And, and those types of big picture dreams and visions they don't happen through one organization. Hmm, they don't happen through one small group of people. But but we imagine what would happen if together we were known for an uncommon unity and tenaciously pursuing an agenda and goals that were so much bigger than any one nonprofit or one church or one organization. Yeah. Uh,
1: hey, that. Peter, let me ask you a quick question. A lot of times is. Money gets in the way of partnerships, wins, donors, especially in nonprofit sense or ministry sense. Even your studies, is there an example of a partnership that you saw between ministries or churches in which money was really uh, something that played in the picture and they did it well, Uh, wins, credit, all that stuff? Talk about a story of something that you saw.
0: That's good.
3: Yeah, you know, just to connect it to the previous story that we were talking about, but the interesting role that donors played in the acceleration of the translation of Scripture uh, was a group of donors. I think of uh, Todd Peterson, uh, I think of Mark Green, and I think of a group of people that came together and said, what if (laughs) instead of just funding these organizations, what if we use the convening power that we have? And what if we could bring everyone together and have a bigger goal? And you know the craziest thing? is the amount of resources that were mobilized grew. Hmm. Having a grander vision did not uh, cannibalize it from the organizations, but it wow. actually increased the amount of resources that are there. And so when I think about ways that this is being lived out, I I think even about uh, an organization uh, called Alarm uh, that's doing great work yeah. with reconciliation. Yeah. And in some ways they could see Hope International as a rival organization you know we're both doing international development we have some similar geography but they invited me to go to their annual fundraising event and to give a give some words uh at their annual event um and to encourage me to you know share about some of the things that hope is doing now that's crazy for a nonprofit event to invite another nonprofit to speak at their fundraising dinner. Hmm. But I think there is a new spirit of saying, let's think beyond the boundaries of our organization. And maybe it's possible that instead of seeing a shrinking pie, maybe that sort of collaboration and partnership is going to be so attractive that more people are going to be giving more and more for you does not mean less for me. Hmm. More Hmm. for you means more for us. It Mm -hmm. means more for the kingdom. It Mm -hmm. means more good that can happen around the world.
1: Got it. You're listening to Up Next on AM 1160. Our guest today is Peter Greer, President and CEO of Hope International.
2: And our co-host today is Noah Chung and Doc Feudering. You have a question, Doc? Man, I'm taking notes here, Peter. Hey, you know, I I love this. It's inspiring. I I, I believe in it. We're trying to on a much smaller scale trying to rally a collective response of the body of Christ in Chicago to, um, to respond to the needs in our city. Um, I, I, do you, do you see the winds of change blowing in this regard though? Peter seriously, you know, in the book, yes, I get it. But the illustration of the Bible translators, do do you see a new day in in this? I mean, big picture collectively, some of us personality wise, we're kind of, you know, passionate, excited, but, um, uh, much like you could point to, to numbers of those that don't endure, you know. Do you see sort of this sense of endurance through partnering coming together a little bit on the horizon? Right.
3: Yeah, uh, and I, I'm I'm maybe naturally wired to be a more optimistic uh, person, but I don't think it's just that. As we were working on this book, there were so many case studies that we came across of crazy, wonderful. Uh, sacrificial generosity being modeled in mm-hmm. every single sector where there is. And I think even about Chicago, I think about one of the organizations that we feature of Together Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, And some of the good Mm -hmm. work that's happening there, but Mm -hmm. their literal mission uh, is to bring together organizations and to make an impact on their city.
5: That's true. I I think
3: about a group of people that I was with in Memphis uh, recently that had the same goal of thinking not just about one organization, but really attracting organizations to come there And have a bigger impact together than they could ever have alone i think about the open source movement of materials that life church and so many other churches have been promoting to say we're going to develop materials and then we're going to make them available to anyone else i think about the uversion app uh, and making sure that the bible in all of those languages is available for free to anyone who has a phone and so i think about all of the exciting things that are happening and i hope this message is simply a prompt to have more creativity, to see more examples of that, and to figure out what are those things that might stop me from being open-handed and generous, Mm. and then to be inspired by examples of people that have not just overcome those obstacles, but are really actively running towards an idea that we have a mission Mm. beyond the bounds of our own
4: one organization.
2: Yeah, wow. Amen, brother. May your tribe increase. I mean that. Blessings on you.
4: Yeah, Peter, uh, a quick question to kind, of, kind of going more to the practical level um, for any ministry leader or church leader that may be wanting to get their mind back on the right track in terms of uh, not seeing their um, partnering churches or organizations as rivals. Like what is one simple, just practical thing they can do to begin to implement that on more of a, a daily basis that in their ministry life, in their personal life, in their community life, what can they do to kind of help increase not their, you know, looking at people as rivals or competing, but seeing them as partners really in this ministry. Yeah, good
3: question. You know, I just heard the story of Dallas Willard and how when he would go to speak at an event, his prayer would be to pray that the other speakers would be more well-received than mm-hmm. than his words. Wow. And that he would pray for other churches to grow increase uh, more rapidly than anything that he was doing. And so maybe we could take a page from Dallas Willard and say maybe it's a starting point of saying, God, would you help that other church down the road? Would you help them to grow, to flourish, to be health, to impact our city, and to maybe focus our prayers on other organizations that we might be drawn to say, You know what? If they're growing, maybe that means there are less people in my pews instead of a prayer, a blessing uh, on them. I love
1: that. Got Got it. Got it. Amen. Wow. So, so Peter, I I think a lot of times our ministries getting it or do they feel like, okay, this is a great principle. Okay. How do we tangibly do it? Are you getting a lot of those questions right now?
3: N- not yet, but uh, that that's my oh, hope. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: you know, it's funny because as we're interviewing, the book is just coming up here in a couple of minutes. But, you know, I think that's that's the problem. Like, even as I think through Resource Global, what we're trying to do in terms of impacting young leaders How do you work and minister and partner with different organizations? That's that's a hard part a lot of times. And a lot of times that's when we start tangibly talking with ministry organizations. I find like once we start talking specifics about money and all that stuff, conversation goes dead because you just don't know what to do. You don't tangibly just know how to do. And so the whole conversation about partnering just goes dead after a while.
3: Yeah, you know, it's interesting timing even of our conversation here that literally uh, the minute that uh, we are done, uh, there's a group of uh, four other organizations that we're going into a meeting and to imagine uh, what it would look like for us from the beginning, from the program design, to imagine partnering together. So yeah. I would say I'm still trying to figure this out. I believe in this. I believe I that too. it is a call for yeah. unity in a world of disunity, Me that we too. can have a greater impact together than we can have alone. Mm-hmm. But it is hard and it yeah. takes creativity yeah. and it takes God's spirit. And so I hope in some small way that uh, the listeners, uh, we're all trying to figure out what would it look like for us to act with greater generosity and a greater spirit of collaboration among each other. Amen.
2: Good on you, brother. Hey, Peter,
3: we're going to have
1: to bring you back on and talk about Hope International next, okay?
3: Hmm. I look forward to it.
1: Take care, my friend. Hey, Rooting rivals comes on shelves over at Amazon.com. Get it today. It is a wonderful book, and you're going to love Peter. Have a good day. Thanks,
0: Peter. You've been listening to Up Next with host Tommy Lee, getting to know another influential leader. To hear past episodes, visit upnext.city. That's upnext.city. Up Next is brought to you in partnership with The Gospel and Our Cities Conference in Chicago, October 2018. Join Tommy for Up Next, Saturdays at 3.30 on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.